you know, my first year, I kind of thought that like a boss was supposed to be this like tough, you know, not really care about its employees kind of guy, like, you know, I'm just going to have to fire them eventually or replace them. And I just thought you just kind of had to act like they were tools in your business. And so naturally, I, you know, I dealt with a lot of production issues in my first year. I mean, you know, my company culture has been, you know, the, the number one most important thing, like bonuses, payroll events, like, and not only that, but like investing in the development uh, of the people that I hire. And that's like, hands down, the most important thing for me now. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders have a really, really special podcast for you. Jack Christensen has been around me for a long, long time. So uh, Jack went to school with um, my sons and uh, he played basketball with Devin and then was a painter with Devin for a couple seasons and painted for three seasons and, and has been an operator for five seasons in two different markets. And just incredible for me, just incredible the, the personal and professional development that Jack's had over the eight years that he's been with us. You know, frankly, I, I, my, my eyes got a little watery at the end of the podcast. Um, just feels so great. He's just such a great example of what we do here, you know, creating amazing young leaders. You'll hear as well that he's living into a huge future about the future business that he's actually starting to create now during in his, his fifth season and an awesome season that he's having up in the Collingwood area. It's middle of August and we are busy recruiting next year's team. We have uh, over 100, uh, 110, 120 operators who have signed on from this year into next year veterans. We've got you know dozens of uh, crew chiefs and production managers and sales managers signing on. So we're just looking for more referrals, looking for more people who would love to be really amazing leaders and would love to be in the best leadership program that there is in North America for students. So if you know anyone, please send them my way. You can send them to studentworks.com to get more information. You can forward this, this podcast, or you could also shoot me an email at cthompson at studentworks.com. Have a super fantastic day, and I hope you love this podcast. So Jack, welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. So happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you. I remember when you started this and uh, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, no, it's really great. And our, you know, relationship is quite unique, right? So you're, you went to the same high school that my kids did. So I've known you for a really, really long time. So yeah, you know, seeing you around Pretty River High School up in uh, Collingwood. So yeah, our relationship goes a long way. Yep, 100%. And, you know, Devin's always been a, a, a good friend throughout high school. I know it was a small high school. So not exactly a lot to uh, a lot to pick from, but he he got me as one of his buddies. So, <laughs> and I know he's been happy with that, Jack. So, when did you start working for for Devin? Um, at what 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 grade did you start working for Devin? Because I know you were a painter for three seasons. Yeah, so I was sixteen, turning seventeen, I believe. So that's uh, like eight or nine years ago now. So, why don't you describe the the first two, the first couple seasons with Devin? What you learned, what you got out of the experience of of, of being a painter. Yeah. So like when I, you know, I was, when I was 16 turning 17, 
you know, honestly, I didn't really have like a, a big aim in life. I think as probably a lot of, you know, young mid teenagers do, um, just, you know, not really sure what they want to do, what their goals were. So to be honest, you know, I was, you know, doing a lot of smoking weed, you know, just not working that hard. And, you know, to be honest, at, at that time, you know, Devin, you know, probably would have fired me if I wasn't, you know, a, a friend of his going into it, um, which, which I appreciate. And thankfully kind of worked out for everyone, me, me staying around, but but yeah, like those first two summers, I was really just kind of like still figuring out who I was, you know, what I wanted to be and, you know, how I, want, how I wanted to carry myself. And I didn't, I would say, other than like Devin, you know, being a, being a role model for me, nothing really attached, I don't think at that point um, to my character. Yeah, it didn't really, you know, get really clear about what you wanted. And, and obviously that really drives a lot of motivation until we want something. It's really tough to go and say, oh, I really want to perform at this high level for what reason? You know, why does it all matter? Right. That was great. And 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 certainly um, I can recall as well, you working around Devin's cruise, et cetera, and seeing you around that. And and then I know you decided to move to, to Toronto and work with Bailey in your third summer. How did that work? Yeah. So, I mean, actually, I technically have worked for, I think, four or five painting operators in my career. So uh, I worked for Jared a little bit. and then. Um, Funny enough, I was kind of like making music at that time with a couple of buddies and they wanted to move down to Toronto, um, you know, basically just sleeping on you know people's couches and had to make enough money. So I, you know, um, obviously, you know, painters are in high demand. So I got Jared to, uh, Perry to like reach out to, you know, see if anybody uh, needed a painter in Toronto. Of course, obviously there is that demand. So, so I got a job pretty quickly. Worked with an operator named Bailey Tustin, um, who was just, you know, he's he's great. I, you know, I can't say enough, you know, good things about him. And he was eventually the one that kind of just propelled me to, you know, become an operator. But, you know, that summer still, I was probably 18, turning 19, you know, sleeping on a couch in Toronto, you know, making music, making music with my buddies, you know, just really getting drunk and still not having like a, a real aim um, in my life. Kind of going off of what you were saying before, like no one's ever given you that responsibility. Bailey kind of early on, like kind of told me like, Hey, you're like the best painter here. Even though I was kind of, you know, I had, I think I had hoop earrings. I think I had like pink hair. I was probably like 130 pounds. Like there's no way, you know, just from an outside perspective that I looked like I could, you know, run any sort of business or be even any sort of crew chief. But, you know, he really just saw that, you know, I had a pretty good work ethic, you know, at least at the very least I cared about what I did. I, you know, cared about his business um, and wanted, wanted it to do well. So, he sort of eventually, you know, just just uh, proposed the idea of like, you know, you could be an operator, like it's it's possible. And then so he kind of referred me, I, you know, I went through kind of the ringer there. And like you said, it's like until you're given that responsibility, you don't know if you can kind of rise to that occasion. And in my you know young life as an 18, 19 year old, I've, I'd never really been other than maybe like a camp counselor looking after kids. Like I'd never really been put in a position where like I have any sort of real responsibility. And um, I, I just wanted to rise to that. Yeah. And and what was what what was great? And Bailey actually was was somebody who actually worked worked for two or three summers as a as a painter, et cetera, as well. So one of the great things is you're able to see and learn the business, you know, as you went along. And the reality is be, being a painter in high school is very challenging. It because this this role is really tough, like lots of responsibility. So so I think again, Bailey saw who you were and who who you are now, right? He saw that in you. 
obviously you were camouflaging it with the uh, the hair and the uh, hoop hoop earrings, um, which for our leaders don't exist anymore. So Jack Jack looks like a clean cut young entrepreneur, um, and that's what you're so, doing at that age, right? You're just kind of you're just kind of putting out feelers of like, let's see if this is who I am. Let's see, you know, if this is you know what I want to be, and and uh, eventually something you know takes a real stronghold over you. Like for me, it was you know business and this sort of culture. Thankfully. Yeah. And so walk me through the experience of your first summer as an operator. That's uh, that's obviously a lot uh, first year uh, as an operator. I mean, number one, it was just an eye opener. Um, it was like, you know, welcome, welcome to reality. You know, all of a sudden people are depending on you for, for paychecks, counting on you to do quality work. You know, and for me, a big part of it was, you know, not wanting to let Devin and, you know, the company that gave me this opportunity down. You know, and just secondly, like right off the bat, like the confidence it gives you, like in any future situations, just understanding like, hey, this is just like a wave, you know, there's there's the other side of it, you know, and you're going to come out, you know, on the other side, kind of no matter what happens, like, there's no like, worst case scenario, you just kind of like realize that. And then I guess in terms of, you know, just kind of like being a boss, you know, because that's a strange thing to be at that age as well. It it sounds kind of silly, but, you know, my first year, I kind of thought that like a boss was supposed to be this like tough, you know, not really care about its employees kind of guy, like, you know, I'm just going to have to fire them eventually or replace them. And I just thought you just kind of had to act like they were tools in your business. And so naturally, you know, I dealt with a lot of production issues in my first year, people quitting, stuff like that. And so in my second, third and fourth years, like, I mean, you know, my company culture has been, you know, the the number one most important thing, like, you know, bonuses, payroll events, like, you know, paying for you know, dinners out. And not only that, but like, it, investing in the development uh, of the people that I hire. And that's like, hand, hands down the most important thing for me now. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And and again, it's, 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 this was just a a thought that you had that certainly isn't a thought that we share here, uh, as you know, right? So, but but again, and and again, nothing wrong. It's just it's just that 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 makes sense that you you would feel that way, and and because I think a lot of people, quote unquote, who don't really know about business, think that way. And there's probably there there obviously are some leaders who think that way that that it's a that it's tools. You know, again, understandably, that's going to show up in their culture and their retention um, of staff and their development of staff. So what did you learn that you didn't expect in your first summer? Hmm. I mean, you know, just mainly I learned that, you know, I was just so much more capable of uh, of what I thought I was. You know, and it's not like it's like Navy SEALs or, you know, buds training or anything like that. But when you're 18 years old, you, like you just don't have a lot of experience. So everything you encounter is new. And it's just like so overwhelming like it's as you know it's like more of a mental thing than it is like you know getting out there walking three hours a day door to door you know picking up the phone it's not overly complicated or difficult it's like just this overwhelming you know sensory of like information coming at you all the time um and you kind of learn you know you learn how to you know turn that off how to adapt to it how to use it to your advantage things like that and you know things start like shaping shaping you or they start breaking you um and I mean, other than that, just definitely um, didn't expect that I could do canvassing door to door stuff like 
you know, I was just super shy and didn't, didn't expect that I could do that. But learn learned later that that was like one of the easier parts. Yeah, that's right. And again, you know, that that first summer uh, was a real breakthrough. You were, you know, again, I, I know the sub, our averages have grown so much, but you were a Mexico operator. You were a top quartile operator. Yeah, Presence um, Club the first Presence, year. Presence Club first year. Isn't that fantastic? And so were, was it as hard as you thought it would be? That's a good question. It's a tough one to answer. I feel like I was so certain, like when I when Bailey brought me the idea and I and I sort of set my mind to it, I didn't really even, to be honest, think about how hard it was going to be. I was just so excited and like anxious and like, you know, feeling all those feelings. I was just like, like if, at that, honestly, at that stage of my life, like I was like, this is like do or die. Like I'm not really that great or I didn't feel at the time like I was really great at anything. And I'm like, I'm going to, you know, put every ounce I have into this. I would say it's hard. I didn't really have expectations of it being, you know, just like this insanely difficult thing, but probably about what I expected. Okay. Okay. And then, and then jump into our second year. Cause you know, we've, we've, this is our fifth year. So it's, it's awesome that, that we've been doing it and performing at such a high level for so long. Your second year was a real jump in your performance level, jumped over $200,000. Um, so tell me about that summer and what was happening in your life. Well, that was COVID year. So oh, that was that COVID? Was, uh, oh, wow. Okay. That was COVID year. So actually, I was in Thunder Bay going to school at Lakehead. And, you know, I was talking with Devin, like, how am I going to commute? Uh, you know, how am I going to market? And then me and Adam Dennison, we booked, uh, we split it, but we booked a $300,000 commercial job. That's what happened. I see this number just jump up. Okay. So we booked that huge job at Lighthouse Point, right? Yeah. Which was, you know, uh, definitely another transformative summer in my life. And Luckily, I mean, not luckily, obviously, like, you know, considering, you know, the circumstances, but uh, we were forced to go home. Like there was like school's over, you're going home. And so, you know, we were doing everything in the book. Nobody could market. So we were, you know, we were calling through the yellow pages like, hey, do you need painting and stuff like that. So it was just a, a crazy summer. Coincidentally, you know, a lot of people know like the home renovation sort of space like was booming, but they're like, you could book a, a lot of work, but you couldn't produce it because, you know, all the students were just taking CERB. So, you you know, we had like, you know, limited, you know, things to pick from in that way. So that was sort of the challenge uh, of that year. But but yeah, it went uh, it went great. And uh, yeah, that was without. Well, and really, really, Jack, if you think about it, it was really the challenge over the last few years is is how, again, being a fantastic employer, looking to enroll people. And what a great example that year, you and you and Danny enrolling Pete, all these Collingwood kids to paint these enormous projects. And, you know, not take CERB and really just get a little bump up from what CERB would be to go and earn more money. Uh, so that was really great. I know one of the other funny things are not funny, but just during the, the, the pandemic, one of the concerns was the government would shut down the job site. And so basically uh, the, the condo owners at, at, at Lighthouse Point basically started painting the job site, as I recall, like basically uh, here, let's get started on this so that, you know, once the job started, they, the government can't shut us down, you know, because they really wanted this project completed and, and they would protect it. Yeah, as did I. I mean, you know, we were kind of on the same page. We're like, let's uh, let's let's get going before they because I think that there was a like some sort of statute of limitations, like if you started on something, you finish it. So we were like, let's just get some bodies there. So um, definitely a strange adaptation, like, you know, for those first, you know, couple weeks, month, every operator knows like that's when you're on site the most. 
where you're doing a lot of training, you're making sure, you know, the quality is there. Um, you're making sure clients are happy, they know what's going on, you know, and then you can start to, you know, have time to do more selling, you know, and get out of that little um, production, production start. Yeah, exactly. And so then, so then the next summer, the summer of 2021, I guess you decided to, to just move to Thunder Bay. Is that, or is that the summer you basically said, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to school up here. I might as well go and move and transition my business up there. Is that right? Yeah. I think what happened was that year I referred, or it might've been the year before I referred my friend in Thunder Bay to operate in Thunder Bay. So I'm not sure if he did a year there by himself, or I think we might've done it together the first year in Thunder Bay. So yeah, that would, would have been the third year. And me and uh, my roommate, who's also my best friend, Aiden Herbin, um, we, we ran a business there uh, together our first year. And it was, uh, it was tough. You know, like I, you know, I'm, so my first year, you know, I, I have these employees, I built up a business and the second year, nobody wanted to work. So I didn't have any returning painters because of COVID. And then I moved, uh, turfs again. So I don't have any, you know, you don't have that stability. You don't have that client base. You know, you don't have those employees. So again, I, I fresh started and, um, you know, it's going really well. I think I had like 200,000 booked by, you know, mid June. And then, you know, I just, I learned a hard lesson about, uh, production and employees and, you know, not that I wasn't, you know, treating them well, just, you know, sometimes things happen and you got to adapt. So I think that that ended up being my probably my low year, I think, in, in terms of like how well I wanted it to go and learn, learn some really good lessons. Hey, leaders, I hope you are enjoying this podcast. As we approach and surpass 300 episodes, well over 95% of the leaders that we have interviewed have been alumni of the Student Works Management Program. It has been an honor to participate in their development over the years. Starting now and only for the fall months, we will be on campus at universities and colleges in Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you are interested in being a leader in our program or know someone who does, please go to the show notes and hit student works and get sent to a landing page to apply. There is a bold student works that you can hit to go to a landing page to apply. Thanks so much. Back to the show. Yeah. And, and, you know, and that's exactly it. And that was another year really impacted by COVID. So we're up bumping up 200K and then having to go and tell our clients, we're just not going to be able to get this work done and, and basically giving back work to clients, which obviously is disappointing, which is obviously disillusioning. And through that, what sort of lessons did you take away from that, that, that summer in those setbacks? Yeah. I mean, you know, just be prepared um, on the employee front because, you know, it's just one of those things, anything can happen. You can have, you know, four people quit in a day and I've, I've had that happen. <laughs> so and then, you know, once you're that late in the season and you don't have anybody, you know, any list of names that you can pull on to call creates a really difficult situation. You know, you're in, you start of July and, you know, everybody kind of already has jobs. So, and especially in a, in a time where, you know, there's a labor shortage. So just always being prepared, like, you know, um, you know, doing those extra interviews, calling those extra people, having those ads ready, 
you know, and having those strategies at least in place to go um, implement um, when when the time comes. So I definitely learned uh, learned some learned some lessons the hard way that year. You know, and still, you know, in light of that, you know, compared to you know probably what you know the average person my age that time you know was doing, it's still probably a pretty good year. I think I did like 100. 100%. No, still a really good year and still really good really good earnings and 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 so one of the cool things was it that year when you were able to actually go buy yourself a, a home up in Thunder Bay. Yes, yeah, I think at the end of that year, um, I decided to you know just purchase the house and and uh, kind of like at least for the next couple of years be in a position where I just stationary yeah isn't that neat right as a as, as as a university student being able to buy a home so that was that was pretty cool too yeah definitely uh definitely a good experience and uh yeah absolutely so then uh year four was also a really cool experience so it really it feels like in many ways jack a lot of year four was was and not to say this year isn't either because i know we're still making growth this year but just just kind of climbing on top of all the learning you've done. And why don't, why don't you tell me about year four and what happened in your business? Yeah, like year four and this year are definitely like my two, you know, best years that I've had. I, you know, in my first year, second year and third year, or sorry, my second year and third year, I I did, you know, start to realize how important employees were. But I, and, you know, I would, you know, pay them really well and, you know, do do events and stuff like that. But I still wasn't like invested in, you know, their development as much as I, you know, realized I could have been. So, you know, having like, you know, financial goals set at the beginning of the year, following up on those, you know, and having, um, you know, development goals, like what, what do you want to learn? Is it communication? Is it like an intangible goal that you, you know, want to learn? And um, I actually hired a production manager who's now an operator named Eric uh, Makala in, in Thunder Bay. And uh, it was just a, a great experience, you know, coaching him, him doing really well that summer. And he basically ran my production that summer. So I had a lot more time to kind of scale my business. Um, and at the same time, just, you know, develop Eric into just this like, you know, wonderful uh, businessman that he is uh, today. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, not only Eric, but but Noah and... Yeah. And Sam and, as well. And Sam as well. So so basically from last year's, last year's business, um, Jack basically put two you know mexico performing painters noah and and eric eric's eric's near the top of the uh the the rookie board He's third i think i've been third yeah, yeah third well done well done eric and then uh so both are both are you know uh you know in line to achieve the mexico target so basically filled three spots from your your business is how does that feel to be able to make such a contribution to these other leaders I mean, hands down, it's the uh, you know the best or, or at least most fulfilling co- accomplishment that I have to date. Um, and I and through that process, I kind of realized like, oh, that's what I love to do. Like that, it like is like you know feels good. Obviously, feels good to like make money and you know have free time to go do what you want. But um, in terms of like fulfillment, like it, you know, you know, I don't know, I don't have kids, so I don't know what it feels like. But it feels like my kids <laughs> just graduated or something yes. like that. <laughs> And they're crushing it. Yes. Yeah. No, for sure. Exactly. And Sam too. Sam is just an amazing person. He's doing really well in the uh, the window cleaning side of things. And yeah, well done, Sam. No, it's just it's so great. And and for sure, there is just this feeling of fulfillment. And it's and and again, you know, congratulations to you and your part of development. I remember doing the three interviews with 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 uh, those three leaders and and just just uh, you know just 
what they were learning and what you were helping them discover as leaders to take on just remarkable. And then I guess basically you decided, hey, I'm going to move back to the Collingwood turf, free this space up, uh, come back to come back home. And and then this year, um, it sounds to me like like, again, just next level, you know, and want you share about how, how, how things are going this year in your business. Yeah, um, you know, things are going great. I decided to, again, have another production manager um, this year, whose name is Ewan Farr. And uh, he's just been, you know, tremendous this year, like same as Eric, just, you know, handling all of production and, you know, in his development, it's just amazing to see. And, you know, goals wise, we're, we're doing really well. I think last time we talked, I was a little bit less, but I'm closer to around 200,000 now. Had some, had some, had some bigger weeks. And uh, yeah, so with, with him, you know, this year, um, you know, I'm really looking to push that development, see like, you know, what, what he wants his limits to be like, what's, what he wants to learn, you know, so that I can go and just really scale this business for us and, you know, do the sales uh, side of things, you know, at the, at the same time too, he, unfortunately, I don't think is going to be able to, you know, apply to be an operator because he's going to school in Florida. Um, you know, he's actually an American uh, coming over from Canada. He, he has both citizenships, but but so I'm looking to, you know, some of my other key role players in my business and, and, you know, up to a month ago, I was starting to kind of enroll them in that idea of like, Hey, like, you know, same as Bailey, you know, said to me like four years ago, five years ago, would you be interested in, you know, doing something like running your own business? And it just feels great to, you know, sort of even just give people the opportunity to like, you know, think about that and put that out there. So it's, it's going really well this year. And, um, I'm sort of transitioning. Um, you know, I've set up my business so that I can have a have a couple more days in the week. I'm actually starting a deck company in in the fall. So luckily, I, I can you know spend Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, you know, starting to work on that. And so yeah, it's been it's been great. Good news, good news. So let's go hit that Mexico target one more time, and uh, and then uh, also also launch your next business. So it's just fantastic, Jack. And you know, congratu- congratulations, and and uh, yeah, no, and it, it you know it's one of those things where you know one of the unique things about our business is we've got you know like you know longtime superstar operators like yourself, and we we just cheer people on when they leave, and we're just like, okay, who's next? Who's going to come out and become the next leader? Who like you and like many of our operators, you know, am I ready to step into this? You know, and 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 then just you know taking on that opportunity to do so. So what key habits? So what? what how do you think these skills that you've learned? will impact your career, Jack? Yeah, I mean, there's there's obviously so many different ways. I think number one, just the kind of like language, and, you know, and verbiage of of the mindset stuff that we talk about, um, you know, just, just takes you so far. It's like learning kind of like a universal business language of like, you know, talking about goals, you know, talking about, you know, even like landmark stuff, like talking about, um, you know, committing to um, the input rather than, you know, the outcome, stuff like that. You know, just just language like that um, will take you so far. Mindset, you know, like you kind of mentioned, uh, you know, what would a habit be? And I don't know, uh, like if it's not like really a habit, but just like resiliency, like just you know, no matter what happens, like ups and downs, like not having a good sales year, people quit. You just like just quitting is is not even like a an option. It's like let we're just gonna tomorrow is tomorrow, and that's uh, and that's it. 
Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I get the opportunity to do uh, leaders is, is to, to, to spend a bunch of time with, especially longstanding people like Jack, have a lot of coaching conversations. We have a lot of coaching conversations over the years. Uh, obviously you're really incredibly well coached by Devin, your coach, but and again, just just so often those are mindset. Those are, you know, what habits can we set up to sort of support these tough times? Right. You know, you know, like I'm, I'm not feeling very good or I'm not feeling very successful or whatever it is, because at those times, anything that's sort of stuck out for you, that new habits that you've that you've taken on to sort of support your success and, and, and support that resiliency that you've shown over the five years with the company or eight years with the company, five years as an operator. Yeah, like I think the two biggest things are, you know, one would be perspective uh, and the other would be um, just gratitude. Like I know, you know me and you, Devin, you know, talk about it a lot. Um, just like, you know, doing things like having a, a gratitude journal um, just to like write down at the end of the day, like, you know, when when you're stressed out, when you're like, nothing's going my way because um, you're you know running a big business and it's just like, this is what I have. And um, like, how amazing is that that I do have that? And also just in terms of like mindset mindset and perspective, like I was in, you know, a, a veteran leader call that we do after our team calls on Wednesdays, actually just uh, just an hour ago before this. And I was I was sharing, we were just kind of sharing our whys, like, why do you want to, you know, run this business? Why do you want to go and take this job opportunity? You know, and some people's were, you know, family, like for myself, like I, I kind of answered, you know, I'm, you know, 25 in the next five to 10 years, I'm probably going to want to start like a family. You know, I want to have time to spend with them. And I was like, you know, you guys on this call, like people like Zach Jennings, Malik, you know, they're, they're so driven. And they're like, um, you know, from my perspective, it's like, you know, I can never have that much, you know, uh, that, that great of a work ethic, or, you know, I'm, I'm lazier than that. And I told them like, you know, honestly, guys, like my goal is just to run like an autonomous, like million dollar debt company and just make like 200 to $300,000 a year. I don't have the same mindset. And they're just like, dude, just like, think about what you just said. Like, that's like a crazy <laughs> yeah. goal. Like you'd be in the top, like 5% of like earners and like, and I'm like, oh, I kind of, you know, sometimes you just kind of need that reminder of like perspective of like the, just the, the culture that we have is just like the, the top performers of, you know, 18 to 25 year olds, like probably in the country, you know? And so, um, you got to remind yourself that like, you just got to be grateful and, and, and have perspective on that. Yeah. And it's also great also to understand, you know, Jack, like you're not as quote unquote driven, still very driven, but not as driven maybe as a Zach or a Malik or some of the, you know, you know, more crazy, crazy people. Uh, and, you know, certainly I put myself among that when I was in my twenties. And so it's, so it's like you said, it's like, hold on, this is more the shape of my life. And that's really powerful to be able to say, hey, I'd, I'd rather give some revenue up and some earnings, but have more quality of life. So maybe I'm paying my people more and giving them more responsibility so that I've got so because because, you know, a lot of times people think entrepreneurs are the hard driven, you know, people. Well, yes. And and there's also a group who I want to do it in as least time as possible. There's a lot of our, our really successful entrepreneurs like that, too. So so it's it's, again, already being aware of what you're looking for in your life is really great at 25. And and that's like another thing that I learned doing student works, too. It's like I just, you know, prioritize that time. Like, I, I you know, I have a cottage up in, you know, Point of Barrel. And I love, you know, in the summertime, like teaching my little cousins how to fish, you know, how to catch frogs and crayfish awesome. and stuff. And, <laughs> and obviously, I, you know, at the same time, I know how much work it takes, you know, in some months to build that business up. And I also know like 
you know, for this deck company, the first, you know, three, four or five years are going to, you know, consume a lot of my time. But I just know like my goal in, in the end is to have more of a lifestyle business. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. So anything else you'd like to share that we haven't hit? Um, one thing I, I, uh, uh, I wanted to uh, say was too, I, I get, I get a, a question asked a lot by, you know, my family, like, why, why don't you just keep running the painting business? You know, that comes up a lot. And, um, you know, I, I always tell them, you know, the, the point of the program is to kind of show you that you can really just apply these concepts and systems to anything you want. You know, and to me personally, like, this is just my personal belief, but I think that, you know, it kind of takes away from the program a little bit, like you kind of taking a little bit from the next guy, um, you know, coming into the program, like that next 18 year old that wants to go start his business and, and do really well. So I just kind of wanted to share, you know, my thoughts on that too. I get that asked a lot. Well, I love that. And and I think, I think in the end, you know, it's uh, George Cohan, Cohan who, who, who founded McDonald's uh, in Canada. I don't, I, you know, not sure where George is now or whether he's left us. He's quite a bit older than me, but, but George, I remember listening to him speak and he, he was sharing about franchisee disillusionment. So very early on, some invest in McDonald's, some invest in franchise companies, so excited. And here's all the money I'm making. And this is what I'm getting. And then eventually, naturally they start going, well, like, holy jumping, look at how much money they're taking. And oh my God. And, and, and so every franchise model has that. And one of the things we really don't have much of that because one of the things that we're always doing is setting, helping people set sales for their future, you know, and there is something to eventually just going, look, I can do this all myself. Why am I, why am I paying Chris? Why am I paying Devin? Why am I paying Pat? I got it. And we're like, you totally got it, Jack. Right. And by the way, we're here for coaching calls. You know, we're here to help out and we're here to motivate you and we're, you know, et cetera. And, you know, I know a lot of times when people move on, they actually set up coaching calls with other alumni and they just hold, have accountability partners. They say they stay in the same structures. So, cause that's one of the biggest things that people lose when they leave here is all the structures and all the teamwork that people have. But and and I and I think you're right, you know, Jack. Is there is a time when it's time to leave, and and it's and it's okay, and it's kind of sad. It we're a sticky group, so it's hard to leave us. But it really does make sense, you know. And again, you've just you've you've you you know partly as well, Jack. We've taught you all that we can teach you, and it's it's awesome, and 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 so excited to see you, you know, crush it, you know, outside and and doing really well. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I appreciate everything you guys have, have done for me. You guys have changed my life and you and Devin and you know, all the other coaches. And I've met, you know, some of the best friends that I have today uh, in the program. So, yeah, thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. So, so final question, Jack, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what do you think of? I think of someone who's driven, someone with some big goals and someone that I'd want to do business with. probably. <laughs> Hey leaders, I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. 
If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.